So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. The sound of joy is in light. This is Kelly Carlin, and uh, welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Shake that thing. 
Shorty, 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 baby. Do that little, little trucking, baby. Yeah, like how you're trucking, baby. Give me some of that trucking, baby. Hey, everyone. Uh, that was a Tin Pan Band. Uh, I found them in Central Park. I was in, I think I was there like in March and walking around and, um, the tulips were coming up and the daffodils and stuff. And I was, you know, the big promenade area where all the big trees are and the big air. It was just so gorgeous, the benches. And there was this band and they had like horns and outfits and everything. And they were, you know, cranking it and making everyone dance and just pure joy. And uh, so just so excited to connect with a musician that way. And uh, they're great guys. So Tin Pan Band, you can certainly find them on the internets and um, the iTunes and all the other things that bring you music. I'm sure of it. Uh, anyway, welcome everyone. Uh, today is um, our first day here at Waking uh, from the American Dream with at, without Matt Cohen, who's been our Smodcast producer here. He's off um, doing fuck knows what. I don't know. I think he went back east to see his family. But he has uh, officially let us uh, on our own here now that... Uh, I've got my own equipment and I have Logan Heftel here today, uh, running, uh, buttons and knobs and slider things. Uh, and you probably know that name because I play Logan's music here a lot. So, uh, as you can imagine, this is a cool thing to have Logan here in the studio. And, um, you know, maybe he'll actually say something. We'll have to like get a microphone for him or something. <laughs> uh, so anyway, hold on. I'm taking a sip of tea. So, um, as we know, it's the holidays. And by the way, this is the last show of the year. Uh, I'm going to be like retreating for two weeks. I'm really excited. Uh, tomorrow's like one more day of stuff I have to do, which is like with the accountant and a couple of clients and, you know, just some business stuff. But after that, pretty much I am not doing much of anything. I'm leading a little winter solstice thing, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but, uh, but I'm like ready to just unplug. I'm not going to be on Twitter. I'm not going to be on Facebook. I know that for like two or three days, I'm going to be literally in withdrawal, uh, because it's like that. It's like cigarettes, you know, it's like, Oh, I need to do something. Oh, I need to check. I need to check Twitter. I need to check the Facebook. How many people love me right now and are interested in what I'm thinking. So I'll be letting go of all of that. Uh, and hopefully finding some real stillness and some space and some time to just kind of muse and write and I may record some stuff. I may come out here in the studio and do some musing and uh, make some kind of premium stuff for my website, which would be cool. 
And, uh, but I really, I love this time of year. I love the solstice. I love what it represents. Um, as many of you know or don't know, I have my master's in depth psychology, which is Jungian archetypal imaginal psychology. And my thesis was about the Demeter Persephone myth, which is a Greek myth. It's the mother daughter myth, but it's also the myth that explains and kind of holds the cyclical nature of seasons in it. And the basic story is, is that, um, Zeus, you know, the head guy, his brother Hades, who lives in the underworld, is kind of lonely and wants some company. So he asks Zeus if it's okay if he takes Persephone and literally takes her. I mean, like abducts. Is it okay to abduct Persephone? There's some rape involved too. It's all very incestuous, but it's the Greek gods, you know. And Persephone is Zeus's daughter. And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, Hades is her uncle. You know what I mean? So, so Hades comes up and like takes Persephone. And, um, when he does that, um, Demeter, who is Persephone's mother and one of Zeus's many consorts, wives or whatever, um, she um, feels it right away, but doesn't know exactly what happened. And she ends up roaming the earth for nine days looking for Persephone, cannot find her anywhere because Persephone is hidden. She's in the underworld. And once you're in the underworld, you're invisible. And, you know, according to most things, once you're in the underworld, which is the death realm, you can't come back. So she finally hears through the grapevine what's happened and that she knows where Persephone is. And um, she's so depressed and so mournful and so full of grief that she stops doing her main job, which for Demeter, her main job is to make things grow. So everything on the earth stops growing. Hmm. Sounds like winter, doesn't it? And uh, so what happens is when things stop growing, well, the humans don't have anything to eat or the animals don't have anything to eat and things start to die. And well, all the other gods being how they are godlike, um, you know, they like to be worshipped by the humans. It's their whole kind of purpose. And so they notice the humans aren't worshipping them and aren't get, giving them their treasures and their sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. And they get pissed off. So they go to Zeus and say, okay, dude, look, um, we need the humans to like do the worshiping thing of us. And this is really not cool. So you need to work something out with your brother Hades and this Persephone and your, you know, your daughter Persephone, because Demeter is not letting anything grow. We need to figure it out. So, um, so then they, um, uh, so one of the other gods, and I can't remember, not Mercury, but that's the Roman version. I can't think of his name right now. He goes, he's the one who can go into the underworld and stuff. He goes into the underworld and he says to, um, Hades, look, um, I'm here to broker a deal. You need to let Persephone come up and see your mom because people are dying on the top of the earth. And, uh, Zeus needs that to stop because he needs, he needs Demeter to be happy right now. So, uh, Hades says, okay, sure, she can come up. But before she leaves to go up, Hades makes sure that she eats a single pomegranate seed. Now, the seed, of course, you can imagine what the seed represents, but he implants something in her. And uh, if you eat or drink anything in the underworld, you must return. So Persephone does come up and Demeter is reunited with her and it's joy, joy, joy. Except Demeter is very insightful and she looks at Persephone and she says, I'm sorry, did you eat something while you were down there? And Persephone was like, yeah, just this little pomegranate seed. It was really no big deal. And she was like, oh, dude, you're going to have to go back down again. So this is how we get 
the idea of the seasons because what happens is is Persephone is allowed to come up and spend about two-thirds of the year with her mother and all's good. The planet is green, it's lush, it's edible, it's vibrant and everything. And then Persephone has to go back down into the underworld. And when she does, that is when Demeter goes into mourning and thus we get winter. But here's the thing about all of this. I mean, it's a cute little clever little kid's way of explaining seasons when you're 3,000 years ago and you're humans and you don't understand anything. But here's the Jungian kind of archetypal symbolism behind all of this is that it is a true story of death, rebirth, and renewal. And that's what the opportunity of this time of year gives us. It gives us that time of year when we sit during the shortest day of the year, which kind of represents the apex of the death moment, the moment when everything's gotten darker and darker and darker. And imagine if you don't understand anything about planets and stars and and the cycles and all that kind of stuff. And you think, holy shit, the sun is going away. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's more darkness every day. And then to finally understand that there's that certain day where it actually the day starts to get a little longer and the light starts to increase. And this is why Christmas is around this time of year. This was a big uh, Roman holiday, also Saturnia, where the, the kind of the Christians just kind of glommed onto the Romans uh, celebration of the light. And, and so here we all get to sit with what is it in our own lives that is dying or needs to die, that is shedding, that is being uh, thrown uh, thrown away? What is it that we no longer need? What is it that needs to go into possibly a state of stasis, a state of stillness, a state of quiet, a state of what from the outside may look like death, but is actually a rebirth? Because if you let go of things, then you have room for new things. And so one of the things I do every year is I lead a winter solstice ceremony, uh, usually with a group of girlfriends. And uh, this year I'm doing it again. And so I was just going to share with you some of the questions that I ask during this ceremony. And I actually ask before the ceremony, I have the women come prepared to kind of answer some of these questions for yourself. And so um, one of the things I ask people to think about is, um, when you look over the last year of 2011, what were some of your aims, your dreams, and your goals for this last year? And then I ask, what were you actually able to reach, manifest, or achieve from that list? Like, what did you actually strategize and plan? And what did you make come into some sort of fruition? And then the next question is, but what were some of the unexpected things that came into your life? Some of the unexpected wins, some of the things that, uh, that you could not have planned for those happy accidents, those amazing opportunities, those events, those people that came into your life that was like, wow, I could have, if I'd, I couldn't even written that, that it's so good. And then we, we swing over to the other side. And we ask, what lost steam for you this year? What fell by the wayside? What became unimportant to you? What, what did you start to not focus on so much? And then we ask, what were some of the unexpected losses, the things that came walking into your life that you did not expect? Maybe an illness, a sickness, 
Uh, you lost a job, you lost your house. I mean, you know, really, what are those things? Because even though we don't want to sit with these things that are uncomfortable and their losses and they may bring up uncomfortable feelings, it's really important to be with what is, what is changed, what is gone, what has lost, what is dying away so that we can honor it and mourn it in a proper way. And so then we can move on from it. Then the next half of the ceremony, after we've kind of looked over the last year, then I have everyone, we do about a 20-minute meditation of just being in the present, being in the stillness, being in our hearts. And then I ask people to look forward. What is it that you need to, it's kind of a continuation of the last thing, what is it that you need to shed, release, and let go of in order to move forward with ease and purpose into this new year? What is it? We all know what we're here to let go of. You know, we can feel it in our bones. It's that, it's that inner dialogue we talk about. You know, it's that thing and that's that one voice that tells us we're wrong or that we're not worthy or that, you know, if we just had this, then we would be happy or it's, um, it's an attitude or maybe it's a habit we need to let go of something like that. And then I love, I love this question because for me, it's really what it's all about. Who do you want to be as you move forward into 2012? Who, how do you want to comport yourself? What, what's, what's the, the shape of your, your being? How do you hold yourself? How do you want to walk through the world this next year? If you could imagine, sometimes you need to imagine maybe someone you look up to and you want to be more like them and maybe take on their energy a little bit. And that's okay. You know, borrow, borrow their confidence or borrow their vision or, or their, um, their excitement about life or their hope. It's, it's okay to try these things on. Or you may know exactly who you want to be. That, that person that, that, that holds your head up high and your back a little straighter and that you know exactly what you're here to do. And, and do it this year. And then lastly, I ask people to think about in a most imagining fantasy kind of fun way with no restrictions. What do you want your life to look like from a year from today, from now? What do you want your life to look like at the winter solstice in 2012, which according to the Mayans, we're all going to fucking hell in a handbasket or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, but what do you want for your life, for your loved ones, for the world? You know, and, and this isn't like a bunch of woo woo positive thinking. Oh, if I just think it, it's going to happen. Bullshit. We know that doesn't work, but I, we also know that if you can't see what you want and, and see it in some form, then most likely you're not going to walk towards it either. We all need to do the footwork. We all need to walk towards it. But what are we walking towards? So that's, that's the, the gist of it. Um, for myself, um, I haven't really sat down and done a lot of this work yet, but I know one of the things that's really changing for me is, and it's, it's a very deep thing and it's something I'm going to be meditating on a lot the next few weeks is, is really coming out, um, of, of some sort of shadow. Um, you know, I'm, next year I'll be touring my show, A Carlin Home Companion, and I'll be on the stage doing my storytelling. And, and yes, it's connected to my father. And yes, of course, I'm telling my family's story, but there's something I'm shedding about being a daughter. 
and or the way I've been a daughter in the past and and coming and stepping into a more empowered way to be a, a woman in the world that uh, does things my way in a unique way. So I know part of that is is what's going on for me. Um, and, and so, you know, I hope you take a moment on the winter solstice, which I think officially is like 5.30 a.m. GMT on the 22nd, but I always do it at nighttime. I'm doing it at nighttime on the 22nd, and I always start with the room dark, and then we start to light candles, and it's it's all really a beautiful kind of a thing here. Um, and uh, uh, I'm just looking at the Twitter here to see if there's any uh, anyone talking. People are liking the music I played. So... Um, Oh, some someone wants to be a calmer person. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, it's a good thing. I won't say his name. Um anyway, uh so that's that's my thing here t- the today and um and what else? What else do I want to talk about? I think that's it. Um you know, I um Oh, 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 I come, I came up with a couple of funny things to this week. I was really excited. Actually, I might as well share them. So on Twitter last night, I think I came up with something which was fun, which was I've decided that this, this political atmosphere that we're living in is called democracy instead of democracy. Thought that was cute. I'm getting t-shirts made. I'm sure of it. And, uh, oh, there was something else too. And I can't fucking remember it now because I have no brain because my hormones I have no hormones. We have no estrogen left. If you've seen my estrogen, could you round it up for me and bring it back? Please, I would like it. (laughs) Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a little song. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to have my guest. Daryl, the comedian Daryl Wright's going to be on today, and uh, we're going to be uh, skyping him. So when we come back from the song, um, you'll hear me live skyping him because uh, I figured out that I can't Skype and play music at the same time, unless I use two different computers, which would then mean I'm using three laptops in this uh, studio right now, and I don't have three laptops. So there you go. Okay, so enjoy this little ditty uh, by Tracy Newman who uh, is a comedy writer. She created The Groundlings. She was a showrunner uh, on many different comedies. Um, she's also the sister of Lorraine Newman. Uh, but lately, she's kind of retired from the comedy writing world. And she's become a singer-songwriter. And she's one hell of a singer-songwriter. So uh, enjoy this song. It's called Fire Up the Weed. relationship works because we never talk except for make me some eggs bacon and toast and aren't you gonna wear socks to be honest and true what I like about you is that you're always high you don't Get out of the house And neither do I This must be the way we want it This must be what we need I'll make the martinis And you fire up the 
attached to how we began, and that's what silences me. You were with someone else. I snatched you up for myself, like the last piece of meat. Not that you didn't jump at the chance, old dog that you are. But I opened the door, patted the seat, and said, "Get in the car." This must be the way we want it. This must be what we need. I'll make the martinis, and you fire up the weed. I think the talking things through is overrated. I'd rather be blue and medicated. It took a few years and buckets of tears for me to understand why your ex never once even complained when I took her man. She was patiently waiting for a sucker like me to come on to the scene. She'll be forever grateful to me. This must be the way we want it. This must be what we need. I'll make the martinis, and you fire up the weed. That was Tracy Newman. Oh, that seems loud. That was Tracy Newman. Um, Fire up the weed. I think she's got an album out. I know you can find her on iTunes. Um, I also play her other song, The Rain, which is actually about her sister. And there's another one called Waffle Boy, which is very funny too. Um, so anyway, we're going to, um, hold on here. I'm just making sure that I'm, I'm going to call Daryl right now and see, uh, if he can hear me. <laughs> That'll be important, won't it? Oh, we can all hear the ring though. It's like, I feel like I'm dialing for dollars or something. Remember that show, Dialing for Dollars? Oh my God. Wait, was that the show where they give you like 60 seconds to do crazy stuff like flip a hundred pancakes or something like that? I can't remember anyway. Wouldn't it be funny if you didn't answer and then I have to like fill for the next hour. I have to like call random friends right now. Hi. Well, well, Logan and I will be putting the microphone in any minutes because Logan and I will just talk about his music all night, which would be awesome too. Hello? Your call has been forwarded <laughs> to an automatic voice message. <laughs> Don't you love live radio? Where the fuck is he? Hello? Okay, hold on a second. This is crazy. Um, yes, Daryl uh, should be expecting my call. I mean, hello? 
Uh, I'm looking to make sure that there's uh let's see, he called here at, uh, oh, that's the wrong one. Okay, let's see if he's there. Okay, all right, going to try it again. Here we go, trying again. Um, so anyway, um, let's see, what can I talk about? Uh, I'll, I can't give out his phone number because that would be really, really rude. Oh, uh, maybe I dialed the wrong number. No, I didn't. I dialed the right number. This is so funny. Um, anyway, um, so, uh, does anyone have any good cookie recipes? You can tweet me at Kelly underscore Carlin. Any good cookie recipes for this, uh, winter solstice celebration that I'll be having. Evening. There you are. Hello, Daryl. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good. <laughs> I called you before and you didn't answer. I thought, okay, this is an awkward live radio moment. <laughs> you know what? I was I was taking so much care to make sure that I answered. I don't know what happened. I was I was, I was basically staring at the phone, and I'm just like, "This is weird." <laughs> okay, that is weird. Well, you're here now. That's very good. So, welcome, Daryl, to my little um, my little podcast show here, the podcast that could. Um, <laughs> Daryl's uh, somewhere across town right now, a couple miles away. Where are you, Daryl? What part of town are you in? I'm actually in Hollywood. Hollywood. Believe it or not, I'm in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, it actually rained here. Uh, you is... know, it rained here too. I know. It's amazing. It. Uh, they said it would, but I didn't believe them. You know what? I didn't move out here for this. <laughs> I don't need this type of weather. Uh, I'm from. I'm from DC. I. I do not need this from California. Uh, well, to the sunshine I'm stuff. sorry, but you know, we have a little bit, just a half-assed winter. So you're just going to have to live through our, not even half-assed, more like quarter-assed winter. It's, you it's, know what? I don't, I don't, I don't need this type of stuff from California. <laughs> for real. This is, unac- this but, is unacceptable. Well, I, I know, I know. It's, well, you know, it, it is the supposed changing of the climate that is doing all this we're going to be getting i think in about 20 years we'll be portland so we'll all be moving to mexico <laughs> or i'll just stay here and let mexico come to me well, Either or. well it's already as long as they bring weather with them it, i don't care well there you whatever. there you go so you're originally from dc um where uh when, when did you when did you come out to california uh, i got out here about six years six years ago about six years ago, I moved from New York to California because uh, it's it's, it's kind of weird. Like I studied comedy in Texas, even though I'm from DC. And then uh, in when I was in Texas and uh, I wanted to get better, it's one of two choices <laughs> when you when when you leave your hometown: either go to go to New York and get funny or go to LA and try to get famous. Well, I went to New York. First. <laughs> Good choice. Excellent choice. Now in Texas, where were you? Um, where were you? What part of Texas and where were you doing your comedy? Uh, I started, I started comedy in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, okay. And uh, I got kicked out of the only comedy club <laughs> in San Antonio. What did you do? I didn't understand the concept of being bumped by another comic, which is if somebody's more (laughs) famous than you, you're not on the show anymore. I didn't really get that concept. Oh, I'm taking you felt it was rather rude of them to do that. Yeah, especially now looking looking back. Uh Uh-huh. They were right. Looking back on looking back on who I was getting bumped by, I'm like, dog, that guy's a car salesman now. It's like, come on, man. Like, if... (laughs) <laughs> if like Chris Rock or your 
or your dad or somebody had walked in. Right. Cool. But this, <laughs> but this, but this guy was from like the like ep, like episode thirty of uh, Gilligan's Island as like a trespasser or something. But he gets to walk. Man, are you crazy? So, needless to say, I got got mad at the club owner, and because I, I, I knew the rules of comedy. Because I looked at the rules of comedy once they had told me those. Like, I looked at the rules of selling dope. So I, I like, lived by them, like, which right. was don't steal people's jokes. Do so, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I knew all of that. But right. that was, like, a twist that they had told me about. So right. I uh, so I put a hole in the wall of the comedy club and they Ooh. kicked me out. Mm. So then, and that was the only comedy club in San Antonio <laughs> at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to move to Houston and then... Houston, where it was more comedy clubs. Yeah, that's where Bill Hicks started. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And was Houston is weird. Houston, the Houston comedy scene is really, really weird. Is it? Yeah, cause they will pat themselves on the back forever. <laughs> I it's love like, you, Daryl. Uh, it's like you aren't Bill Hicks. You aren't Sam Kennison. That was a great joke, but it doesn't make you a genius. You are them. <laughs> oh, so you have a lot to live up to there. I see. Okay, I get. Right. It. I get it. Right. Yeah, that's and that's their thing, you know. And those are two great, yeah. great geniuses, absolutely. But uh, what I hear yeah, you saying is in, move on. You everybody know? in Houston thinks that they're them. It's like just because uh, you're from the same town doesn't make you those guys. Right. Right, right, gotcha. So okay. it's it's really hilarious to watch him. Like those are the most arrogant comics that's never done anything that I've ever seen <laughs> in my whole life. I'm like, wow. So you brought, so you thought of a punchline? Okay, great. <laughs> You're great. What I love about you, Daryl, is you just you know you do not suffer fools, and you're the whole politics of this thing. You're just you're, it's so great. I, I I love your fierceness and, and everything. <laughs> Speaking, I know you don't. It's it's I don't care because you know you know what's weird. You know what's weird, Kelly. What? One of the rules of comedy and life in general is you know what? If you're good at something, it kind of helps take away all of the bull crap that other people have to go through that are that are just average. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, your father got away with murder. But that's because he was good. That he did. You know what I'm saying? Right. If he, if he sucked, he would have never been able to get away with some of the stuff that he said. That is very true. You know what I'm saying? So it's really, so it's really funny how just be good at what you, at what you do. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I was a... It does. It gives you a lot of license to, um, to, to push the boundaries for people and people will accept being pushed if they're yeah. also respect you for what you do. Absolutely. Exactly. Like I'm not saying just, just be a complete asshole, but guess what? I'm a little cocky sometimes because it's like, you know, I get in trouble a lot of times. I've gotten in trouble. You know that I've gotten in trouble, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I look at it whereas though I, I think and I've been told, and the audience seems to think that I'm pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna do or say some stuff. It's not on purpose, but I, I just uh, stuff just happens, I guess. I don't know. It's really fascinating. Well, you, you know what I would love to do is I, I I'd love to play a little clip actually um, from from your album and uh, give people here a little <laughs> a little taste. So we're gonna play a little clip here. Uh, it's just a little two minute clip. 
called uh, okay. Ra- "Racism Is Dead." So I'm gonna have. So <laughs> okay. so while it's playing, um, because I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna mute you while while it's playing, just because that's the way we do it here. Okay, so <laughs> you won't be able to hear it, but I will. I will come okay. back to you in a minute. Okay, here okay. we. Okay, cool. Okay, here we go. Okay. Okay, everyone, here's uh, here's a clip from uh, Daryl's album. I hate to tell y'all this, but racism is dead. Some of y'all are holding on to that junk. It's dead. Sorry. Now it's classism. You're either rich or you're poor. That's it. It doesn't matter whether you're purple. It doesn't matter. I'll give you an example. O.J. Simpson is in jail for being poor. <laughs> Because when he was rich, he could just run around killing perfectly good white women. <laughs> now that he's poor, he can't even break in somebody's house and steal his own shit back. Dog, stereotypes are over with. I'm going to tell you what God loves. I was on an elevator... Two white boys got on and I grabbed my wallet. Fuck that. I don't know y'all. <laughs> Dog, I have met Asians that don't know math, sir. I have even met... No, I have even met Mexicans with car insurance. I'm telling you, stereotypes are dead. Don't live up to them stereotypes no more. It's true. Speaking of which, where are the Mexicans tonight? Where y'all at? I knew y'all was Mexican. Anybody else? Can I ask you a question, dog? This is serious, honest to God shit here. Why can't y'all just do the paperwork? Why can't y'all do the paperwork and just be legal? It comes in Spanish, what the fuck don't? If it's in English on the front, flip that bitch over. It's in Spanish on the back. <laughs> I don't know if you Daryl couldn't hear while we were playing, but we were playing. You know, it's here's the thing I love about you, Daryl, is you just you go right for the jugular, especially around the race issue. It's uh, I think it's a it's a great thing because it's, an, it's a really important kind of thing that needs to be talked about. Well, I just think you know what I think as long as people have a crutch, they have an excuse. Mm. Unless you're handicapped, it's like you know what. Um, and when you when you strip away that crutch, then it's no excuse for people not to have a, a dialogue. Like one of my one of my favorite things that uh, I heard someone say a long time ago is I was going to a uh, I was listening I was I was at a coffee shop listening to some garbage poetry or something, but this guy gets up there and he's like, "Man, no, it's funny. Whenever you hear whenever you hear people protest, they're always like." Remember that I have a uh, dream speech where Martin Luther King says that I don't I don't want to be judged by my color. Well, guess what? Most of the time, people leave out the rest of that statement, which is I don't want to be judged by the color of my skin, but by the content of my character. There's a reason people leave that part out. Because <laughs> you know what? You can be an asshole and be gay. I don't hate you because you're gay. I hate you because you're an asshole. You can be a black guy. White people, it's plenty of black guys that are assholes. Hmm. You can call them that. That doesn't make you racist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, dumb. Yeah. So it's like, I want, I want for 
me in my life trying to be judged by the content of, of my character. I'm mm. not that great of a guy, but I think that I'm all right. <laughs> I'm just a normal dude. Mm. You know, and it's like, that's what I would hope as far as that's concerned. You know, and it's like, I, uh, uh, Kelly, I do not like California. I do not like California. It's weird because California is the type of place where they are so liberal that it's stymieing. Yeah, the, the, the PC police live uh, oh my God. on everyone's oh my God. shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, I agree. I mean, I, I remember being an undergrad at UCLA in the early, um, late 80s, early 90s. And, and I mean, yeah, it's as stifling as any other kind of dogmatic thinking. And, and, you know, and I, and I get the original impulse for it is that, you know, people were so oppressed by the, you know, that it was so authoritarian that no one had a voice and that everyone does deserve to have a voice. But then it, it swings back to this place where it's, it's so, um, oversensitive about everything that, um, you know, you're afraid to open your mouth and, and say anything. Um, it's, 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 it sterilizes yeah. people's conversations to the point. And just me as a comic, I always say this because, because when you sterilize conversation, the ones that are hurt first are the people that are not part of the conversation normally. Mm. So, and so in comedy, I always say this, and this is very true. Until a white comic is able to get away with saying certain words without people looking at him like he's crazy, mm-hmm. then we aren't going to have equality in comedy. Like, like to be honest, I talk about racism, but this industry is still racist. But there's a reason. It's because people are scared. Like, no, it's just... A matter of comfort, Kelly. Mm. Like, I wouldn't want to be an exec in, in Hollywood and have some brother come in and talk to me. And I don't know what I could say that might make him zap out. Like, I could ask for coffee. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Brother's got to get coffee. Like, what the hell? Like, this is just a <laughs> conversation, bro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But, but, but not being comfortable with somebody leads to not putting that person and in, in, in a position to be successful. And that's not really a, uh, a, a knock on Hollywood in and of itself. I think it's more of a knock on people throwing the race card all around for, for, for no reason. You know, and that just leads to that whole thing where you were talking about, you don't know what can be said because everybody has to be so PC. So, so since I have to be so PC, the best thing to do is not be around anybody <laughs> mm-hmm. that I might right. offend. Right. So, Ex- yeah. So, so, it's, it, so it really is a self-fulfilling prophecy with this PC crap because now you have, well, not you, but I'm just saying now these type of people have homogenized their circle of friends so much just so they can be comfortable enough in their own home to say whatever they want to. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it makes me think about uh, certainly um, the word cripple that my dad used to talk about the word cripple, you know, and that it was a perfectly fine way to describe someone who had a had a, a fucked up leg, 
you know, and, you know, and, and <laughs> basically they were definition of cripple is, is crippled, you know, I mean, is there, there, it is a crippled leg. Um, and it's the same thing with, um, someone who's retarded, uh, someone who's retarded literally has their intelligence is according to a certain scale and a certain standard on uh, one particular scale of IQ, their IQ is retarded. It is, it is held down. It is lower than other things. And, um, and, you know, you know, that's the, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like the word retarded for me, I, I, st- I still use it among friends to describe someone, some, something that's ridiculous or, or stupid, something that's stupid. And it says nothing to do with a person who happens to be retarded. I mean, my cousin, Packy, is someone who, has retardation. He has a lower IQ, but he's also a savant in other kind of ways. I mean, he's a very unique individual. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, so I'm not talking about him or comparing him or people like, so I, you know, I just, I get, my brain gets really fried and, and, you know, and we were talking, um, the other day I was talking to someone and it was really great. They made a great point about, um, the, um, as they call it, the N word. Um, and, um, they, they were talking about how, and this is for me, I think this is where I'm drawing the line now with it. If I'm an academic and I'm discussing, uh, language in the American culture and I'm discussing, um, you know, uh, Huckleberry, Tw- uh, Huckleberry Finn or something like that, or even just discussing the lexicon and the culture. And I use the word nigger. It's because it is a word in the language and it is being used by people f- in a certain cultural context. Now, if I were to call a black person that, uh, at a restaurant, uh, in order to demean them or to, or to whatever. I mean, that is a whole different category of language. And, 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 you know, my dad taught me growing up that I could never, ever, ever, ever say that word. That was the one word I could say, fuck, I could say cunt, I could say any other word and, but never in hostility towards anyone else. That was one of the lines we could draw, but I could never, ever say the N word. Because my dad grew up, you know, in a black neighborhood and really respected the culture and really understood being an Irish, a poor Irish kid in Manhattan, understood being oppressed also in, in his own way. Right. Um, and so he really wanted to get across to me, and this was the 60s and the 70s, obviously, the importance of right. what's going on with just, that. Just, just like thinking, sorry, I, I, I was just thinking about mm. what you're like. How your father saw that word being used mm-hmm. is completely different than how we use it in 2011. Mm-hmm. That's what goes back to my theory on why there's no longer racism. Mm. Like, like my grandfather has shown me scars on his leg mm. from where he was protesting for civil rights, from being bit by dogs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Back in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Okay. I've never experienced any racism nowhere near that. Like, what the hell can I say? Like, what's the worst thing that's happened to me? Right. Eminem is on BET. That's about it. Like, I can't, I, I, I can't comprehend. <laughs> I can't comprehend. That's funny. That, that type of racism. And like, to be honest, it's not like the only race that matters now is money. That's it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's true. It's classism. It is. It is. It's, it it is. is classism. That's, a, that's the bit we just played of yours. Yeah, absolutely. It's agreed. It is. And, it, and, and no, it's even funnier. People with money, people with money are smart enough to keep people thinking that it's racism so that they do not, so that they can control a segment, segment of a population 
by keeping them arguing about nothing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, beautiful and, about it. I know, and and I think probably it was originally a certainly racist. I mean, there's a lot of there. I mean, there's a lot of people in this country who still think that people who are not white are non-human who don't, don't have as much intelligence, don't have as much potential to be educated or to be successful or to run a business or to raise a family correctly. I mean, there are people who really do think that still. You know what the beauty of it is now? Though, nowadays, though, Kelly, no matter who that person is, they can, can, they can no longer can, control my destiny. That is Now, true. there was a time mm. when those people who thought like that controlled me getting a job, mm. controlled me getting a house controlled my whole lifestyle mm-hmm. nowadays these people that think like that have no control over me like i always say if somebody's a racist now like racists now are like eunuchs because they can't do nothing <laughs> like back in the 40s and 50s they could control you but now all they can do is say uh screw that nigga okay great i'm off to work what are you gonna do today you know it's, it's like beautiful like that's why i'm like i think the more people press issues that aren't there. It's like, I always make jokes about the NAACP. It's like, y'all are worthless. Y'all are worthless. Jesse Jackson gets a W-2 just to start shit. That's what he, that's what he puts on his W-2. I start shit. That's why people say that. That's It's funny. hilarious. Like, if you think about the organizations and just the stupidity that, and just, and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's just your energy that you waste on stupid stuff. You mm. know what I'm saying? It's just that energy that could go into writing the next great novel or being the next poet laureate or being the next or being the guy that saw. But no, I'm too busy worried about whether this person didn't give me this loan be- because I'm black. Well, no, it's probably because I don't got enough money to have a freaking house. So, so, like, so it's like generally it's more of an attitude of victimization. You know. Oh yeah, I hate that. Right. I hate that. Right. I hate that. Right. That it's some people saying, "Oh, poor me. The the system is built against me, or it's you know it's tacitly working against to keep me down, or whatever." You know. And- yes, that's 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 not. And as you know from my background, Kelly, because you know it, I'm I'll, I'll share it. I'm a felon saying this. I'm a black guy. That's a felon, and I'm saying all of this because you know what. I'm the reason that I went to jail. <laughs> it's not because somebody, it's not because the cops were were uh, putting out an APB on random black guys and they just brought me in. No, I did some stupid stuff. I went to jail. It's, it's, it's one of those things where when you accept the consequences of your actions and just move on from there and just live. I mean, it's just really, really asinine to me for people to just have that dangling crutch right in front of them that they just pull out all the time. Yes, people are still racist, but that has nothing to do with your life. Nothing. Now, I'm really curious about this. So you, um, I want you to share with my audience a little bit about, uh, you know, what happened? You, you had a very different life. You, you went to jail and, and now you've kind of transformed yourself. So, so tell me, I'm really curious about that and your whole story and, and and what that was what that was you know what was the turning point for you and all of that? Well, the turning point for me. Well, I went to jail because I was uh, <laughs> I was drunk and I shot a crackhead. <laughs> I was trying to scare him, but I actually hit him. Wow! And like you know, because it was a guy. That was, and people get people are weird. They're like to to 
to see me live and I tell the story. Mm. People have never even thought they would laugh at something like that, but it's funny. The guy was across the street, and I was like, give me my money because he owed me like $5. And to have a crackhead talk shit to you is really aggravating. Like, I'm not giving you the check. <laughs> so I'm surrounded by all of my friends, and they're like, well, I guess he ain't giving you your money. So I shot over across the street to scare him. What happened is the bullet, it's almost like a cartoon. The bullet that I shot, because I was drunk as all, the bullet that I shot bounced off the ground, went up and hit something, and it came down and hit him in his ass. It blew his ass cheek off. So long story short, I had to go to go go to jail. Uh-huh. for uh, Yeah, so I was in jail for two years, and then while I was in jail, I it, went to... And this was in D.C.? Yeah, this was, this, this was in D.C. I, I was in jail in Maryland, D.C. Some, and Baltimore. And that's, like, some, all those that's, some, that's some gnarly jail there, I bet. Yeah, those aren't the greatest. But it's funny because, you know, like you were saying, what was the turning point? Well, the turning point for me, I think, was when I had to go to solitary confinement when Mm. I was in jail. Mm. Because what happens is, like, I don't know if people know, when you're alone with your own thoughts, not when you're by yourself in your house and the TV or, or like, some white noises going. I'm talking about you are with your own thoughts. That's it, because you're in a cell. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what what happened with me is I just I just had to face myself or else go crazy. So of course when I started in solitary I blamed everybody like I blamed my mom, my dad, my lawyer, the uh, the uh, Jews. I, I I blamed everybody that I could for why I was in jail. Mm-hmm. And then after I ran out out of people to blame, I was like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's my fault that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that was like a that was like a breakthrough for me to change my behavior. And then so that was kind of a breakthrough. And then after that, I also realized, okay, damn, I, I still got forty three days left. What the hell am I gonna do in solitary now that I figured this out? Mm-hmm. So it's, that's basically what happened. And then when I got out, and then got out of got out of jail, I just uh, had to. I mean, I'm not an angel even now, but I'm trying to live my life whereas though I can be a man basically because I've been a kid a long time in my life mm. and kids are kids are people that hide behind their parents and that parent being sometimes that parent is an actual parent sometimes that parents is that that vision of a parent is what the the um the uh crutches that society gives you because it's always more comfortable for a minority to live with the crutch that I can't be crap because I'm black in this country or I can't be mm. crap because mm. I'm poor. Mm. That's like being a uh, that's like being a, a child. And once you put away those things and you step out there and you're like, you know what, I can't live like this. I have to be a man. Mm. I have to walk like a man. I have to carry myself like a man. And men have to do certain things and live by certain rules that they just have to. And there's no turning back. And I I think that's one of the things that comes across in my comedy is I'm a man. Like, I might say something that you might not like, but I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I truly feel. It's like it's one of those things where I'm not going to sacrifice how I feel. I hope it's funny to you. I think it's funny, <laughs> but I'm not going to change how I feel to cater to a certain sect of people. I think 
the uh, the uh, truth as I see it is kind of funny. And let's have a conversation and a dialect on why somebody might not like what I just said. I I would just hope that my comedy opens up dialects, like real conversation, not just, you know, not just, oh, that was cute. No, just a real conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I think and just going back a little bit to what you were saying, I think this is a really great point about – you know, being a man or being an adult and, and that step where we take full responsibility for ourselves. Um, you know, I, I really do think about like this country in general, you know, and, and it seems like we're in perpetual fucking campaign mode, you know, because of the way it is. And, and really what I see is, um, you know, from, from a, a certain, and I don't even, that's, this is not right or left or anything, but I just, I see a lot of people who want the powers that be to make things okay. And it's, it's like, <laughs> that is, that is an awesome phrase. Right? You know, and By it's, the way, and it's, that is an awesome phrase. And it's, pre- I understand it, exactly what you're saying, and that's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. And we, you know, we want these, we want these mommies and daddies, you know, whether they be government or business or whatever it is to, to, to do the right thing and to, and to, to make the world a better place while we sit in our houses eating Hagen dazs and watching American Idol. And it's, 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 it's stunning because you know this, Kelly. Do you not know how much that this political system preys on our own apathy? Of course. They actually have, they, they actually have studies yes. that say who's not going to vote. Yeah. They, and, and we've been, and it's true. you know, and, and, and look, and look, there's nothing, um, you know, I'm pretty much a progressive, liberal, radical type of person. There's nothing wrong with the government stepping in to do certain things. I think, you know, as a nation, we need to, to have, uh, the collective doing certain things. And there's nothing wrong with big business doing other things, the private industry and all that. I mean, there's a balance in all this kind of stuff. So this is, this is not a partisan thing. But, you know, we have, in this culture, I was reading this great book by, um, Michael Ventura and James, um, Hillman, called we've had psychotherapy for a hundred years and we're all still crazy or something like that. (laughs) And one of the things they were talking about is because of, and you know, and I'm a trained therapist and I went to get my freaking masters in psychology. So I love the world of psychology and, and these gentlemen do too. I mean, James Hillman's a very famous psychologist, but one of the things they were talking about was because of, we've all learned about the realm of psychology one of the things that happened is, so if, if you're not poor in this country and if you're not, you know, black or Mexican or some other kind of minority where you feel like you're being oppressed by the system, then you're some sort of white kind of middle class type of person. And what are you oppressed by? You're oppressed by your past. You're oppressed by your parents fucking you all up. And, and so you're victimized by that. So everyone's a victim in this country. And so, and right. it, and in some ways, psychology's kind of all talked us into that we've all become these victimized children. And victimized children want it their way and they want it to be fixed and they want mommy and daddy to be the perfect mommy and daddy. Well, guess what, America and the world? There are no fucking perfect parents. <laughs> and, and there's no perfect, and there's no perfect president and there's no perfect Congress. And yes, they could all be doing a little better, but guess what? They're all exactly. fucking human and they don't know what the fuck they're doing half the time, just like your parents. <laughs> the funniest thing that I saw, I, I, now that I, now that I actually pay taxes, I actually watch the uh, news now, which <laughs> yes. is awesome. Awesome. Because <laughs> I, I got to see where this tax money is going. And by the way, I watch Fox News. I don't know. I, like, 
people always talk about Fox News. I watch Fox News because the women on there are absolutely beautiful. I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> they are. That's MS- true. They're NBC odd. have to get their stuff together. People don't watch Fox News because they're brainwashed. They watch Fox News because it's a lot of better looking women. I'm just telling you. <laughs> MSNBC, step your game up and get some better looking women. Talk, you know what I'm saying? Because I watch Fox News like I watch Telemundo. I just got the sound off and look at the girls. But <laughs> You um, watch it for the TNA. I love it. Oh, it's true. But um, but I was just watching the news, and uh, the the uh, the situation that happened. I believe it was in Wisconsin, where the uh, where half of the Congress left yes. the state, so they didn't have to do the vote. You know what's funny about that? This just shows people. It, it 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 reinforces what you were just saying. The governor of that state, they showed his campaign, uh, his campaign TV commercials, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He promised to do exactly what he did when he got in office, and you voted for him. Right. And then you got mad when he did what he said in his Right. Kelly, he was running campaign commercials that said, I'm going to get rid of the unions. Right. Right. And he won. It's not like he (laughs) People always say, I want honesty in politics. This dude ran on that. He ran on that. But but think about this. This is, this is exactly, this sets up exactly my example. Yeah, because you know what, you know what, you don't, you know, your parents tell you to clean up your room and they say, if you don't, then I'm, I'm taking your TV away tonight. And you still push the limits and you don't clean up your room and you don't really believe your parents are actually going to take your TV away. And then they take your TV away and you're like, you can't take my TV away. It's the same mentality. It is. You're right. You're right. People did know. He did say what he was going to do. Like he ran on that platform. Right. So what are y'all doing at the Capitol building when he ran on that platform? Right, right, right. Like, Like, I'm not saying what he was doing was right, but I'm like, at least he didn't lie to you. Yeah. Isn't that what you want? Well, and I think that just goes to, to the sleepiness, you know, the part of it. It's like, oh, someone else will take care of it. And you know what? I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this. I'm not saying I'm like out there, you know, being some great fucking citizen 24 seven. I mean, it's, it's it's complicated. You know, they make you so uh, no, they make you see there I go. Even in that talk, I make myself the victim in this. Wow, that just came out <laughs> unconsciously. That's beautiful. What we think is that, oh, life is so stressful. And there's so many hurdles to jump through. And I'm too exhausted to think about the Clean Water Act, or the fact that this fucking planet's going to be really hot in 30 years. I'm overwhelmed. And I'm going to go and and eat my chunky monkey ice cream and and go watch the american idol and feel a little better right and, and you know what's fascinating because i don't have the right to vote being a felon i think it's fascinating that people don't vote i'm like mm. you know what? It, it, it's it's mm. really fascinating to see how how people can consistently say that they're voiceless mm-hmm. but i am I am. I can't yeah. vote. Sorry. Yeah. It's like y'all did all of this, and I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to talk to somebody who's actually voiceless, it's me. I can't vote. Yeah, yeah. You know, the whole voting thing is. Uh, this is where my father and I used to disagree because my dad stopped voting after 1972 when McGovern lost, and <laughs> he basically got his heart broken when Nixon uh, won that election. And you know, and then he and I, you know, and he in, in his own internal logic, you know, he would say, "I don't vote," and I blame you people because you fucked it up. You did vote for these assholes, <laughs> you know. So you, you know, and so that whole logic about you know you can't blame the you know you can't you know why you can't. Compl- complain if you don't vote you know he's like fuck you i'm complaining you people are running this country and you're doing a horrible right. job no, it's, it's <laughs> like, you know what 
but on the on the uh, flip side of that, I was just saying, as far as in that particular way, because us as comics are completely different. Totally. As far as so and so, as far as your father not voting but still complaining, that's because he had a job to do, which was yes to. The like the bottom line is uh, when the uh, what is it I, I I don't know what writer said this but when the jester can no longer make fun of the king, your country's in trouble. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we do. Absolutely. I mean that's what we do. I mean yes. and just as much as right now, right now, they are uh, they are running for president and I think the campaigns have started. I'd like honestly, I, I would like for one of these guys, <laughs> one of these right wing guys, to say hey. And, and just run on a platform that, that we can all get behind. Like, hey, I'm rich, I'm white, I'm good looking. <laughs> let's get this nigga out of office to 2012. Like, make it a, just like make it a bumper sticker or something, man. It'd be cool as hell. Oh, that's so fucking funny, Daryl. No, but it's like, uh, I, I would get the bumper sticker just to laugh. I think it would be hilarious. Because basically, if you look at the campaign, Kelly, what are they running on? Uh, like, yeah. what, what, what are they? What, what, what platform? What good idea have they put out? Yeah. What idea? Period. Intellectually, have they put out? Yeah. No. None. None. Zero. I know. So when you're when you're when you're looking at that, basically that's what they're saying. Like, dog, we we're, we're white. It, let's let's get this done. It, like that's the only. Yeah, that's they're yeah, right. That's the only uh that's the only real argument they they <laughs> Right. They have no everything that they said it makes no sense logically, but they're still running for oh, I mean, funny. for that's real. Good. I mean it's the in the insanity of and that's what goes back to the MPC. I believe they would have a better chance of beating Barack Obama if they just came out and said it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 cut to the chase. If, if it, it would feel certainly, related, you feel it would make a certain uh, certainly an interesting election season. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the left and the right deal with that, wow! But you know yeah, what would be great about cool. it was I think we would then finally, finally, finally have the big race conversation that you know because we haven't really, really had it. They all said you know it's postmodern and all of that, and you know even with your idea of racism is dead. But I think then it would right, be like, okay, no n- now we really see the line in the sand, you know? Kelly, you know what? Know what else, though? I think white people are comfortable with their guilt. And and you mm-hmm. heard my act a little. There's there's another there's another piece in my act. Like, white guilt. No, sorry, white folks. It's over. Y'all can't feel guilty no more. None of y'all own slaves. Sorry. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, yep. So, I think it's both sides. It's yeah. the perpetuation from the black side that oh, I was oppressed. Not if you're not if you're my age, you wasn't. Right. Bottom line, you wasn't. Right. And then that whole that whole consistent because if you're guilty as a race, that automatically makes you makes you think that the people are inferior. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have to feel guilty. Like oh, right. poor black people. You don't got to feel sorry for me. Right. And, you know well, what I mean? and, and this is where well, it does get back to, to really to class because I mean, like my people were Irish exactly. and Scotch Irish and, 
you know, we were indentured servants in this country too. You know, it's like we had no power. We weren't landowners. You know, we have to remember the people who had power to begin with were white men with land. And that eliminated a large chunk of the population people. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is true. I mean, it, it's such an, it's such a great convert. This is such a great thing to talk about because there is that white guilt and there is the reality that I think is important but doesn't have to be carried on into the present, which is that, you know, we do deny that this country was based on killing people, taking their land and oppressing other people and making them do all the work for us. And, 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 and just by the denial of that keeps it in the shadow of the American psyche in some way. It doesn't mean that we have to be guilty about it or that there's something we need to be doing that's different right now because of that. But, but, or maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. But it is a really interesting thing. I mean, and I, you know, the bottom line is that all countries were based on, you know, people coming in with weapons and pillaging and raping the women and impregnating them and killing and killing the young men. I mean, you know, it's always been based on a really brutal thing. <laughs> that's that trick. That's how it works. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I hate to be an asshole, but if Indians wanted to keep their land, think of gunpowder first. Sorry. <laughs> well, you have the gunpowder, Blair. That's I, how it works. And you know what? I'm I'm so happy that you chuckled at that before you stop yourself. It sucks to say it like that, but it's true. It's like, man, like, it, like if the Mayans were so smart and the world is ending next year, you would have thought that they would have thought of cannonballs first. <laughs> like, like screw a calendar. Let's figure out how to protect ourselves. Like, screw this. You know, and it, and, well, and you know what? It's a okay, it's an awful yeah. thing to say. I know it, but it has to be said, or else we'll keep dancing around like idiots. And it's like it has to be said. It has to be said. Like I was, <laughs> some idiot asked me to go to a protest the other day. It was like some. It, it, it was some black guys that were going somewhere downtown to to protest whatever and <laughs> i finally i like i like finally just asked him you know what bro because he was trying to tell me what he's protesting for and i was like because we've been oppressed for yada yada years and we want the white man to say that he's sorry and do this and 40 acres in a in a mule and i you know what finally something something clicked in my head i was like you know what what if you guys win like, what if you get what you want and white people are like, you know what? Screw it. You're right. We were evil. Indians, y'all can have this crap back. Mexico, y'all can have y'all junk back. Hey, niggas, we're heading back to uh, England and y'all can and, and we'll drop you off at Africa. Screw that. I don't want you to win this protest. I like air conditioning. Like, what? Like, people never thought of what if you get what you want? Right, right. Well, yeah, what if what if one day they just said, okay, screw it, we're leaving. Indians be pissed because nobody's going to the casino. <laughs> I think it would be mad as hell because where are you going to sneak into? If white people leave the U.S., it's going to be one big Mexico. If oh, Mexico was so man. great, they wouldn't be coming here in the first place. <laughs> I know me as a black guy, I hate church shoes. I hate wearing church shoes on Sunday. There's no way that I want to fight a war in them. Screw you. I'm not <laughs> but I don't want to go back to Africa. I like air conditioning. I don't. Can you can you see me chasing down food? Really, <laughs> I can't do it. But you know what? Yeah. Let's all figure this out and just 
calm, calm the hell down, people. So, it's so, not that important. So, so, so move forward is what you're saying. We need to, to, you have to, you have to, the, you have to. If you're a prisoner, if you're a prisoner to whatever the past was, especially when it's not your past, mm. generally, I can't see you as, as somebody who owns a whip. <laughs> other than for you, other than wow. for you and your husband, that's some other stuff. <laughs> and I can't see you just walking out like dog. You didn't do anything. Why are you guilty about that shit? Not like you, but I'm just saying that whole mentality is what is stopping this country from moving forward and getting to the bottom of what we really need to get to the bottom of. Yeah. Which is how in the world does one percent of our of our population have? God knows how much of the money in this country. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's that is insane. It, it is. It is true. It is true. And and you know and and what I love about what you're saying is and it, and it's kind of the basic. You know, I always thought about like America needs therapy because this is part of the ba- <laughs> the basic therapeutic process is is you you get to go into the therapist's office and say I was a victim of A, B, and C or whatever the fuck it was, and then you get to sit in it and feel it, and then at some point you know, pretty quickly on you, you, as the therapist, you say to the client, okay, you felt that you've screaming, you've screaming yelled at your parents, either physically in real life and you, or you've had the dialogue or you got to scream at the chair and pretend that they're in here. But now what? And that's really what I hear you saying for everybody, for all of us, whoever feels like a victim out there, whether it's from your parents or from the system or from history or from whatever it is, all of that happened. Yes. A lot of it was horrible, but now what do we do? Because we have a lot of fucking shit to figure out, people. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> it's, it's a lot more stuff. I it's mean, it's a lot more stuff than history. Like, it, I mean, it's insane how much we have to figure out. And once again, America and a couple of these other big nations, you know, met for climate talks, and they have pushed off the climate talks again for another seven years. Because you know what, we don't really need to deal with the fact that the fucking ocean is getting hotter and the ice things melting and all of that. And whether you think it's carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide or whatever the fuck you think it is, guess what, the planet's getting hotter, and we need to figure this shit out because it's going to get weird. All I know is this. I don't, I don't know nothing about climate change. I'm not smart enough. All I know is any time that D.C. is the same temperature in the winter as California, something ain't right. That's right. I normally, call my, That's I normally right. call my parents teasing them, and they're, like, teasing me. Like, boy, it's cold <laughs> out there. I'm like, I don't I need to call me and, like, be jackasses. But they're like, because I always do it today. But it's like, this, this ain't normal. Like, I don't know. And, and you know what? <laughs> I'm... Not a rocket scientist, but I listen to rocket scientists <laughs> if they know something that's going on. No shit. Like, Agreed. I'm going to listen to people that know what the hell is going on. Yeah. It's dude saying it's not good for the ocean to be this temperature because of X, Y, Z. Yep. Okay, they've, they've taken a lifetime. Like, <laughs> this is what I love about this country now. Hmm. Because you idiots have the internet, you aren't going to even listen to doctors. Because you have the yeah. internet, you won't uh, listen to a doctor tell you, this is not good for this planet. I know. Well, I, I was know. just on Google Earth, and they said, <laughs> this is a dude study telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so we it, cannot sustain this like this, right? Well, and, and that's, it, it's so true. I mean, that's the one thing I, it's so interesting about these times is because everyone has, um, has an opinion. 
And everyone has the equal opportunity to give their opinion out there for the most part, you know, on the internet. If you go Google something, you know, you're going to get a lot of opinions. And there used to be something, you know, this thing called journal, journalism. And the whole point of journalism was that it would kind of filter through the information and it would fact check and it would get multiple people to, to talk about things so that you could actually get a consensus of what actually might be fact versus not fact. And well, you know, we don't have that in this country anymore. We don't even have anything called the fairness doctrine. They don't even really two sides to a story anymore on TV. It's, it's oh, just that's, that's, it's, it's that's, insane. That's, it's fascinating. It's I fascinating know. because now that, now that you lack journalists, now that you, now that you, now that you lack, lack actual journalists, mm-hmm. you lacked that integrity of the information. Yep. Yes, it might have been one side of the story, but it has to be checked. With yes. This, with, with this Gonzo News society that we're in, it's kind of a good thing. It is but absolutely, with, but but with the but but with the good comes the bad. It's like yeah. okay, now every so now any idiot that's in his mama's basement can tell me that the world is going to end next year, like uh, <laughs> and they will. Cool. Oh, they will, and they will, and then and then something else. No one else, I think, has really hurt. That's really hurt this country more than more than people will ever know. And this reality television has hurt mm-hmm. this country in a way that people do not understand. It's like, even with what you were joking about with American Idol, God God bless the people that are in it and that win. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It's not supposed to be that easy. Right. If it was, you know what I'm saying? And, and yep. same, with, same with some of these reality shows where these dudes are getting famous for no reason. Yep, like the Kardashians. You have no, you yep. have no, right. So now you have a society of people that don't understand that it takes work Yep. To accomplish something. Now they just think that we're all going to just have to get lucky. No, it's not luck. <laughs> yeah. It is luck, but it's not luck. Yep. Like most it's people true. that accomplish things have to go to school. They have to work at, you know, singers have to sing in these dive bars to, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. with, but, but with, uh, with this reality show, lottery ticket, that's what's happened to this country, whereas though people think yeah. that, it's going to happen to me. Yep. So all I got to do is sit here and do nothing and just get lucky. It doesn't work like that. It's true. It's, it's very, very true. And, uh, it, and it's it, hurt. Yeah. It, it's it, hurt our work ethic. It, yep. It's definitely hurt this country's work ethic. Well, and, it, I, and I think it's in all forms of all arts, even, even as far as colleges and people study. I, I think it's really hurt the work ethic for this whole country. Mm going forward mm-hmm. which is scary yeah i know because what what you know what yeah uh, agreed it's it is it's 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 wackalicious it is it's very strange <laughs> all right well we have to go darling oh goodness gracious this has been fun as all thank you so much kelly thank you for having me on here i, I i've been looking forward to it my pleasure and um where can people get your um your cd Okay, uh, my website, uh, org. Yes, it's org, because some podiatrist had calm, so <laughs> I had to, and, oh, it was awful. So, and, uh, let's see, so yeah, you can, uh, see, uh, it has my schedule on there, 
And where it has a CD, where the you, link to And where are you going to be in the next few? Uh, any big gigs you have in the next few weeks? Uh, and uh, I'm going to be headlining the Hollywood Improv January 27th. Oh, nice, excellent. Yes, that's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to that. Doing some shows for the Rose Bowl this year. Oh, that cool. should be fun. Like every year, the Improv has me entertain the football teams that are coming in. Oh, that'll be and great. It's, and it's Wisconsin this year. Though, and I, I did that last year. And I'm going to tell you, those are the biggest white boys I've ever seen in my whole entire <laughs> yep. I was like, this is, you know what? Cheese and cornbread. This corn is what fed. Hitler had in mind. Like, he, I, I know Hitler's <laughs> sitting somewhere like, no, this was all that I was trying to do is create six foot four, 250 pound white boys. And all he had to do, like, y'all, like, he, he didn't even have to kill all those Jews. Just go to Wisconsin. They're all over, bruh. No need for the anger. Just go to Wisconsin, bro. Man, Jesus. he could have saved some a lot of uh, no, angst. He could have saved a lot of money, a lot of pain, a, a lot, lot of, of suffering. yelling and screaming. If he no, had, should just got him a ticket to Wisconsin. If he had and, just and let him known. Out there. Yeah. Oh, Daryl, if you had been around, then you could have advised him. <laughs> Nobody got. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. There's that. All right. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> like, excuse me, brother. What's with all, all the screaming, bro? They all over in Wisconsin. Jeez. All right, fellas. This 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 meeting is over with. He was going to Wisconsin. <laughs> so on that image with Daryl Wright meeting with Hitler and t- taking him to Wisconsin. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird way to end the conversation. <laughs> we, we, must, we must sign off today. <laughs> Daryl, thank you so much for being here. Kelly, thank you so much for having me, and uh, thank you to everybody that's listening to let us just talk crap. Yep, talk, <laughs> talk shit, crap and just get and, and just get our views. Because you know what, and I'll and, and I will end on this. Yes, you know what? If it wasn't for people listening to us, Kelly, what's the difference between us and some crazy homeless dude, other than the fact that people actually listen to us? This so is. I have to say thank you to the people that listen. To <laughs> this us. is very true. Agreed. You know what? Agreed. What's the well, thank you guys for listening, and Kelly, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, darling. You have a great holiday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. That was Mr. Daryl Wright uh, in Hollywood, just miles away. Just, you know, that's just the way it is here in L.A. We don't actually want to get in our cars and go anywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, so thank you all for being here today. Thank you for being um, here to listen live to my last show of the year. And if you're downloading it, uh, thank you for that, too. Thank you for being a subscriber. And to remind everyone that you can subscribe on iTunes, certainly. And I always love a little review and a rating there because that makes the iTunes people notice me because it's all about being noticed. Don't you know that? And, um, and I want to thank my newest patron, Mike Stoffis. I think that's how his name is. Uh, he sent in a beautiful, generous, uh, contribution to Waking from the American Dream. And if you too want to support our efforts here at Waking from the American Dream, you can go on my website, uh, kellycarlin.com. Go to the Waking America from American Dream page. You'll see on the side a little PayPal button. Uh, push that. Donate some money. It helps to support what we're doing here. It pays for the electricity. It pays for the broadband. It pays for Logan's gas. Okay. It pays for my tea. Um, it pays for the gas that I'm using to make my fireplace go and keep us warm right now. And, uh, and it, you know, it, um, just, you know, it, it's so appreciated. Uh, just any listening, any little amount, it just, it really is, uh, so appreciated. 
for what we do here. You know, we're all kind of um, starving artists and trying to figure out how to how to live and, and do our work at the same time. So it's it's very much appreciated. I want to put a shout out to Logan for being here today. Thank you, Logan. Um, and thank you, Matt Cohen, for being my uh, my my original Virgil here at Smodcast. Thank everyone at Smodcast who pushes buttons and types things in for me and sends them out and uploads and downloads and all that other stuff. Um, and thank you, Kevin Smith, for having the um, wherewithal to create a network based on your strange and twisted mind. I do so appreciate it. Um, if you have any feedback for me or any um, royalty-free music you want me to play, you can find me at WFADradio at gmail.com. You can always find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And like I said, there won't be shows for the next few weeks, but there will be a show um, beginning of the year, January 5th. I have Tom Tomorrow, who used to, who still does the Modern World um, cartoons, uh, comic strips. Um, brilliant, brilliant political mind. I've been a fan for a gazillion years. I'm so excited. Tom Tomorrow is his pen name. If you listen in, you'll find out his real name, most likely. Um, and then January 12th, Michael McKean, the actor, was supposed to be here, but his shoot got rescheduled, so we're going to reschedule him, and we're going to find someone else to come in on January 12th. But the following week, January 19th, I have Erica Heller, who's the daughter of Joseph Heller. Yes, Catch-22 Joseph Heller. And she's written um, a book called um, Yosarian... Yosarian slept here and it's about the building in New York that she grew up in and that her dad and a bunch of other amazing characters and some other famous people lived in. And, uh, it's, I'm going to read it over the, over the break and I'm, I'm excited to have her on another, um, daughter speaking her truth and telling her story. Um, I will be at the Santa Monica Playhouse January 20th to do my show, A Carlin Home Companion, and I will be in San Francisco, part of Sketchfest, doing my show up there January 27th at the Eureka Theater. You can go to uh, San, San Francisco Sketchfest.com to find the link for those tickets. Um, everyone have a beautiful, beautiful holiday. Um, re-listen to the podcast so you can answer those questions I put forward earlier. And we're going to leave you today with a little song by my friend Gary Stockdale. It's a holiday song and it's called All I Want for Christmas is a Job. I got bills in the mail, bills sent in faxes. Bills from the government asking for taxes Got Visa and Nordstrom's water and power Calls from my creditors each waking hour So what am I to do? Can't you help a guy get through? Christmas is a job Something that might keep me on my feet When I'm not gainfully employed I get very paranoid Wondering how my ends are gonna meet For Christmas is a job You know there ain't too much I won't do 
new J-O-B Make our Christmas wishes all come true Dear Santa Claus, I want a Zuzu pet, the Beatles rock band, an Acer mini laptop netbook PC, and a Canon PowerShot digital camera with optical image stabilized zoom. But I won't get any of these presents because my daddy has no money. I'll probably just get clothes that my sister has outgrown. And she's a freak who dresses in black and wants to dye her hair. Do you want to ruin Christmas for my family? Because if that's your plan, then congratulations, you jolly fat jerk. Can't you please get my daddy some kind of job? He has a very impressive resume and even did the music for two network pilots this year. But neither of them were picked up. So Fox and ABC are dead to me. My daddy might get in trouble because I'm saying this, but I don't care. I don't even know you people. I just want presents. So if anyone here has any leads, contact me. I'll be the one crying her adorable 11-year-old eyes out. All I want for Christmas is a job. Need some shelter from the stormy sea. Our GM is out on bail. For parts, just make our Christmas wishes. Hey, I'll do windows, I'll do dishes. Please make our Christmas wishes all come true.